0: Like two months, I'm still playing ketchup. I'm playing mustard. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a. <laughs> but you're the dad, and we'll be—I think January through February—even might be like just us playing catch-up to all the stuff that I've been wanting to do podcasts for. But yeah, I saw Spencer. Yes,
1: I'm glad. Did you watch? I'm it like with...
0: still thinking maybe we should do its own episode. But
1: did you watch it with Allie?
0: I did. What did she think? I think she felt really similarly to how I felt, actually, which was she liked a lot of it and didn't like parts of it. hmm That's fair. I was hoping it would be more of what you were describing, which was a more haunting, more like kind of horror adjacent.
1: Yeah. I would have loved that too, <laughs> but I feel like you can only do so much when you're
0: treating a subject as sensitive as Princess Diana. Yeah, didn't you say that like, people were like walking out of screenings? Because- yeah, when they
1: were showing it at festivals, I don't know if it was Cannes, Cannes, Cannes. Cannes. Uh People were walking out, especially an older crowd, just because they didn't appreciate the liberties they took with the tone and the, the narrative, because it is uh, not a true story. I don't even know if that weekend happened you know, to any capacity. So that three-day Christmas vacation. Uh, that no, that, that vacation. happens. Okay.
0: Every Christmas they get together and they do that many times in The Crown and in real life. <laughs> yes, there you go. But yeah, I was hoping for more fictional liberty.
1: More fable and less biopic?
0: Yeah, I I wanted it to end with sort of like a revisionist history mm. like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Yeah, where like maybe it cuts to her with the paparazzi, like taking pictures of her while she's driving and she like pulls over and tells yeah. them off or something and then drives away, like surviving and not crashing. Mm-hmm. I thought that that would have been, I thought it would have made the movie like perfect, but it didn't do that. It ended in a much more interesting way. I thought the, the relationship between her and uh shape of water wasn't cool though. Yes. Uh, Joan, I think her name was Joan or something in the, in, uh, her character's name.
1: Yeah. I feel bad I can't remember her name, but that that relationship was interesting. I also loved her relationship with her kids.
0: Yeah, great. All throughout history, her kids have been very outspoken about their mother and what happened and how yeah. messed up it was and most recently, Harry has been talking about how crazy his family is.
1: Yeah. It's which is crazy times. Yep. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you got to see it. Because yeah. It is a
0: special kind of movie. I think I would have been more enraptured in a theater, theatrical setting. Yes. Instead of half asleep on my couch.
1: Yeah. I am always an advocate for giving full attention to anything you're watching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? That's, <laughs> that's crazy.
1: But I'm I'm a crazy person, so don't listen <laughs> to me.
0: Especially... Um, you're saying you're not on your phone the whole time that you're watching something? No.
1: In fact... I mean even when I'm watching something ironically on my phone. you are yeah, yeah, on your yeah. phone watching something. <laughs> Yeah I'm, I am aware of the irony but I uh, I also just I can't I can't split attention when I'm watching something mm-hmm. and it's funny <laughs> cuz I know you're a very attentive person and I'm it's I I just can't do that thing where I'm splitting attention when I'm watching something I don't have the ability to absorb the information mm-hmm. or appreciate it you know even if it's something like The Office where you just want it on in the background I end up just watching it cuz I'm like I can't just leave that on in the background.
0: <laughs> well, when you've seen it as many times as I have, it, it becomes something that you like. You just know. It's room tone. It's, like, it's like you can... <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's like you can see it in your mind's eye just by hearing it, you know? Yeah. Word. 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 So what are we here today to talk about? Well... There's many things we could record right now that... Yeah. <laughs> this is just the first one.
1: Today is probably not going to be a long one, but we both recently watched... There's a lot to say about it. I mean, we could make it a long one. Yeah. But it wouldn't be like.
0: This isn't even one I wanted to do after I saw it, to be honest. Yeah. But the conversation is so interesting.
1: So I just watched it yesterday and I immediately wanted to do a cast on this movie.
0: That's how I felt when I watched it too. But I was like, but I, I don't really want to recommend <clears throat> it to anyone. So here's I know, actually, our, our I, Cowboy I, Bebop yeah. 2021 <laughs> episode. of We are
1: talking about Netflix's new film from Adam McKay. Don't look up.
0: Don't look up. I'm a huge Adam McKay fan. Yeah, Anchorman's one of my favorite comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Step Brothers, and then he, you know, he, he wanted to make a turn into doing sort of politically challenging films, starting with The Big Short. Yeah, which was my favorite movie of
1: that year. And not only politically challenging and socially relevant, but also like the filmmaking has evolved to the point where in Big Short there are fourth wall breaks and yeah. weird meta.
0: They're sort of like expose films, I guess. Like, and then he did Vice, yeah. which was about um, Dick Cheney. Cheney, yeah, with uh, Christian Bale and Cheney makeup. Jacob, what a transformation! <laughs> Chain up. <laughs> and then he just did Don't Look Up, which was, and he has said repeatedly, along with his writer, I think, that the metaphor for this comet or asteroid that's plummeting to Earth is a metaphor for climate change. Metaphor.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very overt. Um, and what's funny is they... are putting it lightly. Yeah. It's, it's
0: extremely overt. Yeah.
1: I, I almost don't even want to call it... I mean, it is a metaphor. But what's funny about the timing is they started making this film as COVID hit, right? And they shot it in the midst of quarantine. So there yeah. are also parallels to the pandemic.
0: Sure. Well, there's parallels to a lot of things. The comic could have been... Anything. Any social issue.
1: Not even a social issue because... <laughs> you could say COVID and climate change are not so sure. Sure, issues. sure,
0: any planet Earth issue,
1: an existential threat. Yeah, and it is uh it is quite an interesting film, even <laughs> just from a production standpoint, because it is a it is an ensemble cast, like an insane cast. You have all A list actors, and they did this film for, for seventy five million, oh. reportedly, and the rumor is that like between J Law and Leo, I think that was like half of the budget.
0: Sure, yeah. I can't believe J-Law costs that much.
1: She's like Queen K- America. You know, she's been...
0: Queen America.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is that? I, I love it. She's like... She is Queen America. Can you think
1: of a more... Yes. I mean, putting your personal feelings aside, a Scarlett more... Scarlett
0: Johansson. She's the highest paid actress in Hollywood right now.
1: Yeah, well, I would say that J-Law is like... It feels like the new Scarlett. She's like five to ten years younger. Not in terms of like... I don't know. Maybe dot grossing, but she feels like she has that for some reason that that star power.
0: Yeah, it's because she won an Academy Award and everybody loves her. Honestly, this was a a really good performance by her. Yeah, this was one of the better ones I've seen. I really liked her in uh, Silver Linings Playbook, which is a really good film.
1: Should I mention the rest of the cast?
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was going to say is they have A list actors in B S list C roles S tier. <laughs> yeah, S tier, which is above A for people that don't know. And no one knows why, but it is <laughs> well it's special, right? Oh, is it? That's what it stands for. Cool. <laughs> but the interesting thing about this movie is if they didn't have the actors that they did, if they didn't have A list actors in every single role in this film, supporting and lead, it wouldn't it wouldn't play. It wouldn't play. It wouldn't have the same power behind the messaging and that's the weird thing about this movie is i feel i it felt like i was watching (laughs) like mars attacks or something yeah but with very very good actors most of them who were to like are activists and support climate change
1: and because it is not like it has all the subtlety of like uh (laughs) of of an apple box preacher you know it's not you're here you're watching this film because of the performances yeah and how absurd it is. Yeah. So we already said Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are the two headliners. Yeah. If you can call them that. Leo is the hot scientist. We also have Rob Morgan, who plays Dr. Teddy Oglethorpe. He's the head of a division of the government or something that I didn't even know existed, which is the defense of Earth. <laughs> so it's part of NASA, I guess. Yeah. We had Meryl Streep as the president of the United States, which was kind of an analog for Trump. Trumpy. Her son... Uh, an analog for Don Jr. played by Jonah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, and what an absolute! <laughs> I love Jonah Hill. Silly boy that guy is. My personal favorite part of this movie: Mark Rylance
0: as so good
1: Peter Isherwell, who is like all of the crazy eccentric billionaires of our time rolled into one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it made me want to go back and watch Ready Player One. Yes, just to see his performance again I, feel I was like, like he
1: reused a lot of that performance. Reminiscing, yeah. <laughs> He's,
0: he's a cool actor.
1: He's absolutely nuts in this film. Yeah. He had like fake teeth or something. <laughs> we also had a lot of cameos. Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett were news anchors. Yeah. Um, cameos, I guess.
0: Kate Blanchett was almost unrecognizable. I should say I recognized her, but I didn't know that she was Kate Blanchett until like 20 minutes after I saw her character introduced. I was like, oh my gosh, that's... That's Cable and <laughs> Yeah, her American accent is very convincing. She had fake teeth or something. Like she oh, had yeah. like some prosthetic. That there was look... transformation. Yeah.
1: She's amazing.
0: Tim Chalamet was in here as Yule. <laughs> he was awesome. He plays a love interest for Jennifer. This may have been hour. my favorite performance I've ever seen by him. Yeah. Love Fingerling Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
1: in the clip you sent me, that wasn't even in the script, right?
0: I don't know. So much of this film
1: we've learned is improvisation. One thing that was not, which was what brought him into the script, apparently, was that... Prayer? Yeah, it was the prayer, was that religious side of him, which was actually like the most tender part of the film. Yeah. That last final prayer before the Last Supper. (laughs) We got Ron Perlman as
0: Benedict Drask. I forgot he was in there. It's like Buzz
1: Lightyear, but a redneck.
0: He's like every popular politician, (laughs) like asshole that you've ever seen. He's so
1: funny ariana grande was in this movie oh, i forgot about that. along with kid cuddy who played yeah versions of themselves you could say. <laughs> yeah
0: and also uh himash patel yeah i want to see him in more stuff i really like him
1: yeah he's actually making waves right now with mackenzie davis in that new hbo show station 11 which i'm hearing is really Whoa. good i've it, heard people talk about that too it's has a one of the producers of the leftovers and that's been a comparison for oh, okay the discourse Melanie Linsky as June Mindy, Leo's
0: wife. She's always good.
1: I didn't even realize Michael Chiklis is in this movie. Yeah. Oh, he was the. Uh, <laughs> he was like the Alex Jones stand in. Uh huh. And then, yeah, that's basically the gist of it as far as uh, the big names go.
0: So let's answer the question that everybody's wondering
1: What is this movie?
0: Do you think that was actually Meryl Streep's naked body? Well, we only. <laughs> Caught it from certain angles, but I think f- yes, I think it really? was. Really, yeah. And Mark Rylance too. That I mean, was wild. I do that whole I, ending. I I feel like it might have been. Wow. Yeah. Do we want to briefly <laughs>
1: <coughs> talk about what this film, what the, what the story is, what the plot is?
0: Go ahead. Sure. uh I'll listen to you tell it. Uh,
1: basically, Jennifer Lawrence and Leo are astronomers from Michigan. Who discover a comet hurtling towards the Earth? Dibiaski. Dibiaski, Comet Dibiaski, named after J Law's character, and they've discovered that they have essentially six months and change to live, and so they go around trying to tell everybody this, starting with the president of the United States, who completely blows them off because it is a, a version of our previous administration, the Trump administration, although it really could be any, you know, yeah, any, it kind of works, yeah, uh, modern works American ways. administration or any American administration ever, maybe, depending on, <clears throat> you know. And so then they just go around. They end up leaking the story on not really a news program. but it Not feels so like subtle leak. It's like a Good Morning America program.
0: Yep, and Jennifer Lawrence sort of loses her mind, and she's immediately memed yeah. as crazy.
1: For having a breakdown on national television. <laughs> but Leo's the sexy scientist. He comes out of it pretty strong, and that starts his character arc for the film, kind of becoming he has a glow up and then he ends up having an affair with Kate Blanchett.
0: I guess they're both memed in that way cuz it, it it then becomes like how would America and westernized cultures mm-hmm. perceive this? Like would they actually take it seriously or would they just start to if you told the modern
1: world that they had 6 months to live. I don't know. It is interesting because basically it is like they have the they have the evidence to show everyone like this is the comet we've taken pictures of it. But nobody is really, over the course of the film, no one buys into it wholesale. I mean, like the general public until the last part of the movie where they finally see the comet in the sky, (laughs) which means they have like a day or two to live, a few days, weeks.
0: And then Meryl Streep, in all of her presidential political power, starts telling the people of America not to look up. She says, don't look up. Yeah, just insane. (laughs) (laughs) And... I mean, for all intents and purposes, most people that are portrayed as middle America uh, don't look up and they just follow her blindly. Yeah. And then eventually they do look up. I th- and I thought that was interesting, too, because. Well, they look up. Well, it, y- you can't really portray middle America that way. You know, they had to have them look up eventually. Mm hmm. Otherwise, there would have been sort of an outrage against this movie, as like you know. Well, it makes sense. Kind of stating they, that they might be. They look up when
1: the when it's not when it's just <laughs> when the truth is so apparent, just right in front of them, right? It's and it becomes real for them at that moment. It's also worth noting that at one point in the film, President what's her name, Orlean, I think she does take action and gets Ron Perlman to deliver a bunch of nukes. Armageddon style or not not even Armageddon style yet, but their plan is to go blow up the comet and it's working They launch this group of rockets and then it's derailed because Mark Rylance's character the crazy billionaire
0: who's Bezos Zuckerberg gates.
1: Yeah (laughs) He gets them to turn it around and shut it down because he discovers that there are trillions of dollars worth of precious minerals on this asteroid on this comet So they abort their best shot at saving the earth so that they can attempt to mine this thing for profit, which becomes the mission that everything is hinging on by the end of the film. Apparently there was another attempt by other nations, which fails. And so at the end of the movie you have on the, like the last day, (laughs) this like Amazon and Apple venture to mine the comet and it fails spectacularly. Ultimately, because they would not peer review, they would not bring in the greater scientific community to help them with this process, because they wanted to, you know, keep the profits to themselves. So they get the stuff onto the comet, and they're about to to break it up, and then the mission fails, and the asteroid just flies directly into the Earth, <laughs> and uh, the Earth ends up being destroyed. In the end of this film, the last thing we see before our two post-credit scenes.
0: Because ultimately, this is part of the MCU. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: that's what I was thinking when I, I was like, I wonder if there's anything after these credits. <laughs> the last thing we see from our main characters, Leo, Jayla, and Rob Morgan are gathered around the dinner table with Leo's family having one final meal together. It's a nice moment where they're coming together and Leo's apologized for his affair. And uh, Tim Chalamet's there, and that's where he says his little prayer. He's like, dear Lord, you know, yada, yada. Pray. and we get this great ad-libbed line from leo at the end basically the last line before the catastrophe where he says something along the lines of wow we really had it all didn't we it was <laughs> ad-libbed yeah it was improv how do you know i read it online oh yeah they said leo, so you can trust that <laughs> yeah leo well, yeah who knows what's true anymore but w- <laughs> what i read is that he approached adam mckay because their their plan was just to cut to black in that final film mm. without showing any destruction. Mm. But in the edit, they ended up using both this ad lib line from Leo and then they show like the explosion and the utter destruction of.
0: I feel like yeah, you needed to see that.
1: And I'm glad that they left that in the edit, you know? Yeah. I don't think it could have ended any other way. In terms of the story you're trying to tell, like you...
0: So another part is all the rich people who suck just capitalism at its best all the rich people in the world get on this ark and leave earth the final survivors of the human race and they float out in space this is the post credit scene for about
1: it's 20,000 years in the future it said 22,000 and some change
0: they were cryogenically frozen they all wake up naked they get off on this new sort of planet earth mark wylantz is explaining the the oxygen levels are different. They might feel lightheaded, and immediately, <laughs> Meryl Streep, as the president, walks up to this bird, and she thinking, <laughs> I don't know what she she was thinking. She's like, "Oh, what a beautiful creature!" <laughs> and the bird, the bird just attacks her and eats her immediately. It just shows how stupid. Yeah, it's crazy. That says a lot right there. It
1: looks like they're all going to die in that yeah, moment. because you know, they're
0: surrounded by like these birds.
1: They're like dinosaurs. Yeah, probably. On this new world. Yeah. And it's just like a few hundred of the, like you said, billionaires who really have no survival skills at all. And they're just probably going to die yeah. immediately. Yeah. And then there's the second post-credit sequence where Jonah Hill's character, Don Jr., crawls out from the rubble of ruined earth, takes out his phone, and he's like, Hey, guys. He's like doing like a social media post. He's like, hey, guys, last guy on Earth. What up? <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. Yeah. There's a lot. I loved the whole Bash smartphone subplot in this film, and it had great payoff where they're like, it was a delicious black mirror kind of idea where the Bash yeah. smartphone will anticipate your emotional needs and then feed you social the, the media. things you want to hear. Yeah, like videos and clips based on... Uh, what would be, what would like make you happy at that moment? And there's this great reoccurring gag where it's uh, a puppy. Yeah, it's like a puppy riding a chicken or something. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, there's a scene where once Leo goes on television, he follows an announcement from Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi, and Leo's it cuts to Leo's family watching the broadcast, and Leo's son is like, "Wow, my phone just ordered Ariana Grande's new album." <laughs> <laughs> for me oh. it's so incredible and then at the end Mark Rylance can like anticipate people's death with their al- it, hyper advanced algorithms and he tells Meryl Streep how she's going to die like halfway through the film that it's uh, via Bronto Rock and that's the animal that kills her at the end of the film which is so funny on a whole nother level because it shows that the algorithm was able to anticipate this history or this <laughs> this this future of mankind yeah I mean, it's, it's all just throwaways, but it's, it's so yeah. funny to me. Yeah. That whole my, everything Mark Rylance did in this film just killed me. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the movie. And the other thing I wanted to say was the Pentagon guy joke, where J Law is throughout the film completely and utter confusion as to why this three star general, who is appropriately named General Themes in the beginning of the movie, he charges her and Leo for snacks. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Inside of the White House,
0: snacks that he got for free.
1: Yeah, while they're waiting to see the president, he gets he just picks these up from the other room for nothing, and he charges them. And that, for like five or six times throughout the movie, <clears throat> J Law is like, Why did he do? Why this? did he do that? Why would? Why would he do that? <laughs> and it was just a great little. Yeah, I know uh, where you're going. You like put this. a button on like. The idea of the film, which is, why? Yeah. Why why do the people in power feel the need to to do this yeah. to the rest of the world? And it's just
0: insanity. It also represents very accurately how I feel like every day. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel as well, where it's just like... My mantra. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? Why, why would somebody do that? It doesn't even make sense, you know? Yeah. And then I love the story that Oglethorpe tells... <laughs> In response to when she is questioning it for like the sixth time, you know, he tells her the story about <laughs> Sting. Oh yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> farting right, right in front of him, right in front of him, without and just breaking eye staring, contact, staring at him, <laughs> uh-huh. and then not, not moving. <laughs> and he's just like, and then he he pulled it off. He just walked away. <laughs> Teddy was like, I just, I
1: still found him so charming. <laughs> <laughs> it is the power. Yeah, this whole movie is about the power, the overindulgence, you know, the living in excess of yeah. that one percent, and how it's basically destroying the earth and mankind. So that that's essentially the takeaway.
0: For more on that, you could visit our neoliberal capitalism podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, big social activists here on the cult podcast, but no, for real this this movie, I I loved it. It's probably not going to make it into my best of the year as things have started to get a little crowded in that for me. But I'm a huge fan of absurdism, surrealism. And what's so funny about this movie is that it's, I was watching it thinking absurdism like this is no longer absurdism. We're just putting on the screen uh, reality. Like These are all analogs for literal people whose names and faces have been changed for the sake of, you know.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, okay, I agree with you that it feels like that you know, it feels like it's just reality and you have these analogs for real people. But one of this movie's main criticisms has been that it's, it doesn't accurately represent the reality in which we live and the world in which we live. So for example, uh, cause I listened to the NPR uh, podcast episode about mm-hmm. this. One of their main criticisms was that a uh, terrible metaphor, climate change being this, this comet, because climate change is a, a slow long play problem and a comet you know being six months is very different from what climate change actually is that was one of their main points the second point was that everything in this movie is left up to America and that's not exactly accurate either you know because we just had the climate change summit a few months ago and they identify this as a global issue that we're all working together to solve mm-hmm. I understand though I don't have an opinion in this. I don't have a, a horse in this race either way, but I understand why someone like Adam McKay portrayed solely America as the the country to solve this issue. Cause it makes the most sense to me because every, all of popular culture, you know, the reason we do this podcast is based on Westernized way of thinking. And that's what pop culture is. It's Westernized. It's Westernization. It's just, everything is, mm-hmm. It starts in America, and then it and it trickles out everywhere else. And so, I get why you know he did that, and why America was essentially the only country that could actually solve this problem. I'm not to say that I'm puffing up America in any way. It's pretty much the opposite. It's that yeah. like we have positioned ourselves in such a way. I mean, we're trillions of dollars in in debt as a nation, but you know we've positioned our country in such a way that like. <laughs> No one can mess with us, but we can mess with everybody else. Yeah. And if, if there was truly like an existential crisis like this, and there is a lot of what we do, how we respond, the, the practical means, the finances, all that stuff would influence the rest of the world, how we respond, things we spend our money on, the things we care about, we influence the world in that way. So in, in that way, it makes sense. It does start with us, I think. And then it would, it trickles out to the rest of the world.
1: Uh that's an interesting perspective i I don't know if I am on board with that particular piece of criticism because uh between the timetable for the film being very short mm-hmm. and the nature of the discovery being like extremely localized out of Michigan, <laughs> it makes sense that they wouldn't have been able to like they the rest of the world didn't even have this information until a little bit later mm-hmm. and so. Between those things, and also, it seemed like the whole film was mostly a criticism against not only America but specifically uh, like the the previous administration. That was where they wanted to focus the film, mm-hmm. because it would be a, a different dynamic with the rest of the world. And they did put enough in there to satiate me, because I was curious how they would approach international attempts to you know be a part of this effort in the film. And they did have that little scene where like they show the joint effort of Russia, China, and India. Doing their own launch, which fails, so that that was enough for me to be like, oh, okay. So there's stuff happening across the globe, but it didn't bother me in the beginning because it's like they were really putting the kibosh on this information. And even when Leo and J Law went on TV, as we saw, no one was taking them seriously anyway until later on. So
0: mean culture.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the whole, the first part didn't even bother me there as far as the the metaphor being an asteroid, because I mean, you can get lost in semantics but ultimately both are an existential threat (laughs) again this to being on how far you buy into science the science being we are literally destroying our planet in real time and we have we've been given a timetable by Uh the scientific community you know that, that if humanity doesn't turn this car around it's gonna be bad I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head but it's within a few generations of you know seeing terrible Not even an impact, because we've already started to see the impact, but terrible, very tangible. It's like we're almost at the point where they saw the comet in the sky in the film, where Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And that's when the general public, you know, maybe that's in 20 years, maybe 100 years, but that's when it'll be obviously far too late in the game. So that's why I, I love the film, is because it was so brazen. And even though this film lacked... All subtlety. Like, it's not about subtlety. It's about how insane this is. And I think it worked for me because it felt very earnest between Leo's performance and the way the film ended and the tenderness and like the final moments of the family and Tim Chalamet's prayer. It didn't feel like the takeaway from this movie was not to shit on the 1%, but it was like it was supposed to shock the viewer into realizing that this is crazy, that this is insane, that we're just. Sitting by and watching our own self-destruction. So I enjoyed that part, and ultimately I don't care because I'll probably be dead by the time you know this rolls around. And I'm not planning on having kids, so I don't have a horse in this race right now. But
0: I, uh, as well, far I as do have kids, yeah, as, that's, that's
1: why brilliant. I think people should like start to take this stuff seriously. And yeah, it, the problem is it it means this is the larger conversation that would take up another podcast, but it means a complete change in lifestyle for every person, you know, alive on this planet. So, that's why and especially coming from the 1%, it'll never happen. It's because <laughs> just like we saw in the film, it's about profits and it's about short-term, short-sighted winning elections. Instant gratification, instant profits. So,
0: it becomes very political.
1: That cynicism played well with me. It leaves that taste in your mouth where it's like, "Oh, man. <laughs> it's sad, but it's 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 real. Like it's literally Real. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills whenever I try to broach this topic with my family, because it's like my family are the people that perpetuating it. Are in the crowd with President Orlean and Jonah Hill's character. Just, you know. It is what it is. And here we are, having a podcast about it. I
0: don't really have much to say about it. <laughs> it is absurdist. Uh I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. i i I have a lot of strong feelings about climate change personally it's the thing that scares me the most about living besides interpersonal interaction (laughs) Um, besides being vulnerable with my emotions (laughs) yeah i uh i'm the kind of person who always is thinking ahead and planning for the future that makes one of us And I can, I always am like doing things or trying to do things that will affect me 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So I, I feel like that's not that long of a time, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, a couple generations and the planet or that we live on will be too hot for my kids and grandkids to live on. Fuck that.
1: Yeah. Or we'll just be underwater. Because <laughs> <Fuck laughs> we live on the coast. <laughs> it'll be, it'll
0: be water world. We'll all start growing gills like Kevin Costner. Oh my God. Let's do it. This movie altogether, it wasn't my favorite of Adam McKay's. I did enjoy the metaphors. I enjoyed the analogies and the insanity of it all. I I mean, I was texting you through it going, this is just insane. This is insane. This is insane. This is insane. insane. Yeah. I can't believe this is happening. Uh, Yeah. And it was like, it was like Adam McKay was just holding up a mirror to modern day America and westernized thinking. And so many people will watch this and not understand it or hate it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is also sort of comedic in of itself. Yeah. And unfortunate and extremely sad. So, yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts. This movie isn't one I would recommend, though, either. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to hardly anyone. Because you'd have to be very... Woke. (laughs) (laughs) Forward-thinking.
1: Yeah. (laughs) To
0: sort of grasp even the humor in this movie. You know what I mean? I would also be curious... People People... be disgusted by this. I mean, much like we were talking about Spencer and people walking out of that movie. I think people could be really disgusted by this film. And I and I can't recommend it. It's definitely not in my top 10. I don't even know if it'd be in my top 20. I do think it could win Academy Awards. And that's crazy too, mm-hmm. because of uh, how the Academy works. But yeah, that's all I really have to say
1: about it. It would be fun to watch somebody from the demographics it's criticizing, watch the film and just see at what point do they come to realize? Oh, I'm being, um, I'm being lampooned here. Yeah. <laughs> it would be funny. I just thought of a great. Pardon me, make Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Post credit scene for our reality. You know, thousands of years in the future, when mankind has likely been <laughs> lost to time, aliens roll in. They see our planet and they pick up uh, a copy of this movie and they're like, able to understand it and somehow have context for how humanity ended. And they're like, wow, people were really aware of how they were going to uh, all die and didn't do anything. I think it'd be pretty funny. You have like the Seth Rogen alien, just like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's just laughing.
0: (laughs) Life, reality is a comedy, man. Seth Rogen, when he laughs, it sounds like he's just coughing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. nailed it well here's a song from don't look up
1: yeah i actually enjoyed the score by nicholas Bertel, who uh did succession and a bunch of other hmm.
0: great media so i actually have a track we can put here
1: from the end of the film where they're having their last supper there's a nice little piece of music
0: so here's a nice little piece of music from don't look up nicholas Bertel brettel Bertel brittle strice <laughs> hand
1: <laughs> what an incredible running gag